What do Americans and the Canaanite people destroyed by God in 1250 BC have in common? Actually, about 860,000 things. What are these things? I'm so glad you asked. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. We recently did a series on spiritual growth. Really love that. Thanks for the feedback. A lot of people seem to be blessed by that. And I definitely appreciate uh, hearing some uh, good testimony back concerning that. The Lord knows we all need spiritual growth and to take seriously the command for us to grow. Well, this month we're switching gears. Here I am, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, along with my favorite co-host, and only one, Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How are you doing, Glenroy? Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. And joining us today is no stranger. We call him the Puerto Rican Puritan, Nick Vasquez, and we're able to have Nick join us every so often when he's not out. Saving the world as an EMT. How you doing, Nick? Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Amen. Well, it's certainly good to have you with us. So, what do Americans and other nations have in common with the Canaanites that God destroyed? 860,000, all of them innocent lives sacrificed by their own parents at the altar of convenience. That's 2,400 babies a day that are being slaughtered. As the church, we have to be in the front lines of this modern-day Holocaust. We need to band together as God's children to see such an evil of abortion abolished because children are literally being murdered. So let, let me ask, Glenn, what are some of your initial thoughts when you hear the word abortion? Um, it, it, it's murder. It's, it's just wanton murder. It's all the, all the ways that they try to describe it as something else to make it a political issue, to make it a, 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 human, a human body issue. At the other day, it's, 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 a, it's a life that could have been lived to the glory of God that's not able to live to the glory of God. Nick, what say you? Uh, this is the first thing that comes to my mind that is disgusting. Uh, it's, it's probably the saddest thing uh, that I could think about when I think about a child that's being 
<clears throat> murdered inside the womb. It's heartbreaking and it's just, um, it's disgusting to me. <laughs> so, I mean, there's nothing good to say about this issue. Nevertheless, why do we think that abortions are so prevalent um, in today's society? I mean, it seems like every time you turn around, another person is slaughtering their child. Now, this wouldn't be a, a biblical podcast without us bringing up sin. Um, I know we'll talk a lot about that, but if we wanted to put a name to the sin, um, I think one of the main things is we're taught a lot of selfishness. We're taught that, you know, we can have a baby at our own time. Um, we are taught that poverty, um, lack of a career, social status, age, all of these things that have never been an issue in the past are now somehow a barrier to you having a child. And basically, you know, as a, a student of the Old Testament, it's just it's just we've bowed to the altar of, of convenience and we say, hey, in order to get all the things I want, I'm not going to have this baby hold me back. So it's, 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 it's just pure selfishness at the end of the day. Hmm. Now, when we described before concerning the Canaanites, I just want to give a picture of what we were actually um, springboarding from, as we mentioned, the Canaanites. So, uh, Nick, I know that you spoke about this in the past when we did a pro-life apologetics training concerning what the Canaanites did with their children and, uh, and Molech. Can you uh, just expound upon that for us? The Canaanites were worshiping Molech, and um, it, was, it was a large metal statue. It would be a large metal statue, and it was and it was um, shaped with his arms hanging out. And it, there was a fire; they would put a fire under the arms, and the people were actually um, <clears throat> they were actually sacrificing their babies. They would put the baby on, on in Malik's hands, and and they would watch the baby burn. Um, and one of and one of the one of the things that that had to happen when they when they sacrificed the babies was that they had to um they had to do look like they were doing it willingly it had to be like a willing offering for them um they weren't allowed to complain about it and stuff like that and you could imagine the the, the screams that would um that would come out of that baby at the first touch of the fire and um the thing that they would do in this most gruesome event was that they would play flutes and bang on drums just to drown out the sounds of the shrieking children you know <clears throat> and 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 my understanding nick is that this was done um primarily because of food right resources uh you would offer this to get better crops to to survive the harvest things like that correct yeah it it was it was also like like a state sanction it was it was it was state worship as well mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. they they were they were giving these up and they were you know they were idolatrous you know mm -hmm. it's no wonder that they were commanded to to kill I mean, yeah that, so that the israelites were commanded to to kill the canaanites so so to to kind of make it make you understand in a, in a, in a modern context it's the same thing right we like i mentioned career well i want to make sure that i have three phds before i'm 40 and i'm going to do all these things and maybe at the end of this i'll get this baby because the baby's going to hold me back from all these things i want to do so that's career also 
I'm too poor. I don't have enough money. Oh, the baby's going to hold me back. I, I want to have cars. I want to live the lifestyle. And it's going to financially affect me. Also, the state says it's good to have this abortion. We want um, you to, to not be burdened. We want, you know, they're, we, we're being indoctrinated with that. So it's the same state worship. It's the same. If you do this, you're going to get this financial gain kind of thing that's going on. I think the only thing that's different is that they were at least honest about it, right? You're seeing the baby burn. You're seeing the pain on their faces. And we are able to do this and worship at this altar without really seeing the pain of it. Um, and a lot of us can just kind of turn a blind eye to this, you know? That was excellent. I wish you could say that all again. <laughs> I mean, really, um, you fire me up, brother, because, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. uh, what they did at that time for convenience and for, quote unquote, prosperity, mm -hmm. uh, that's what's happening now. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the baby is getting in my way and for me prospering. And so if I just sacrifice this, give this up, um, then I'm going to get the goods. <laughs> and so my life will be more convenient and I can get the things I want to get. And it's no different um, than, you know, a dog eat dog world, because this is really a battle of worldviews. Mm. And when you think about these things, um, worldviews, uh, one of the aspects is that there is confusion, it seems, among many concerning personhood how is it that we don't even know what a person is anymore i mean we have a slew of pronouns and we can't even figure out what is growing inside of this mother is that a person is that a clump of cells um is that a blob of tissue uh, is it any different than um than cutting off a fingernail uh, to get rid of whatever's growing inside of the mother. I mean, this is how a baby is thought of and depicted in the womb. Um, I mean, just no different than, I mean, what happened during the time of the Canaanites when they just threw them uh, on those stone arms for the idol Molech and, he, and they burned them in the fire. Mm. I mean, just, an absolutely sickening thing you know you know when i when i mentioned earlier like just the thought of it the, uh, the act of abortion you know is disgusting you know i think even more more disgusting is the fact of, of the violation that that is to to, mm. to god you know <clears throat> in the bible the bible speaks of it as as god this, this didn't even come into God's mind. You know, he, he, he wouldn't even fathom the idea of making you sacrifice your own child. Mm. You know, and I think that, that, that makes it, that makes it ultimately vile, ultimately, you know, sickening that, that, that a, you know, a God who, who created you and who rewarded you. The Bible says that the baby is a reward and, and he rewarded you and yet you spit in his face by just having it ripped out of you. Now, that is such an interesting way to look at it. But think about it. God did ask a man to sacrifice, right? He did ask him. And in a way, that was just because we, 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 are, we are under sin. That the, the punishment for sin is death. And he said, hey, in order to placate me, I'm going to demand of you what you value the most. 
but he didn't require the death of his son. He actually gave his own son. And it just makes it even more of a, a heinous thing because for God, his son being sacrificed for us is, was the greatest thing he could do. That was the only way to pay for our sins. And we, like you say, kill our babies every day as if it's nothing, right? But for God the Father, that is his most precious thing that he, he has, you know, in a sense, even though they're the same being, that the, this son was sacrificed. And we are like, hey, hey, I have career, another baby. I want to be a football player, another baby, you know. I want to be promiscuous with everyone I see, another baby. So it's disgusting on a human level. It's disgusting on a spiritual level. And, you know, for anyone who calls himself a Christian, God is, is not pleased with that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, it's interesting because Nick brought up the fact that um, that children are a reward. Mm. Uh, they're they're mm. a gift, a, a heritage um, from the Lord. And so God is giving a reward and they're killing that so they can get a another reward, a financial mm. reward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but they don't see the reward that that has been given in the womb because they, that bank account seems to have a, a bigger reward than a child. And the other thing to mention what Glenn was saying um, concerning Christ and, and, and Abraham as that picture of what would it be like to give your only son, mm. uh, that being a picture of what happened at the cross. Now, of all at all the stages of life that God the Father could have sent uh, God the Son into the world, he did not send him as an old man. He didn't send him as a young man not a teenager or a toddler. He sent him into the world through the birth canal as a baby. Now, Nick, uh, why, why did God do that with this stage in life? It's, it shows that's, that's proof of the sanctity of life right there. That they, God chose to send his son into the world and, and, and through the birth canal, right? It's, it, it, that right there is all the, 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 the proof that we need, all the reason that we need um, to, to give value to life, especially the life that's in the womb. You know, I mean, essentially, I don't really like to go into it this way, but essentially you really don't know who would be born, right? You really don't know what what that life would turn out to be like, you know. Yeah, it could go south, but it could also go north as just just as easily. You know? mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, I have here um, that one of the aspects of the battle of worldviews is evolution, and and I said that purposely, evolution, because. It is evil. It is a worldview that is absolutely evil. Um, you know, from the goo to the zoo to you or from, from monkey to man. Uh, I mean, it is just a heinous worldview to think that we have evolved from lower life forms and therefore we're just another lo lower life form and then we can kill that life form. But if I were to ask someone, right, are you pro-choice? And they said, yes. And I said, well, okay, so I'm pro-choice concerning ice cream flavors, 
you know, or getting a burger versus getting salad. But are you pro-choice um, concerning puppies? Do you think it's okay to kill puppies or to kill kittens? Do you think that people who say they were pro-choice are okay with killing puppies and kittens? What would they say? If you're using me as an example, I don't know if um, <clears throat> we want to kind of approach that subject here. But but I would but I would obviously say I've seen I I know people who are for abortion who would cry to see a dog kicked or something. Not to say we should do that, but yes, they would say that's evil, that's that's wicked, that they shouldn't do those kind of things to a bird, uh, uh, to prop public property. They would they would they would be kind of aghast to see someone damage public property, but. When it when it's a part of your own body, supposedly, then it's okay. Save you know? the whales, save yeah. the trees, mm -hmm. uh, save the manatee, mm -hmm. uh, save the turtles, and, and save the bald eagle. And there's hefty fines that come if you kill one of these. Now, saving a baby gets might land you in jail. It'll get you in a lawsuit. <laughs> um, may get the police called on you if you say save the baby. Um, and and even speaking of law, um, how come? If a man murders a pregnant woman, he's charged with two homicides. But if a woman goes in to an abortion clinic and kills her own child, she's not charged for any homicide. And not only that, but you can't give a pregnant woman the death penalty because she's pregnant. I mean, isn't that crazy? It's just that. So if, if and, and since the flavor of the month is the inequality and stuff like that, that, you know, that baby who's being killed in the womb is not getting justice, is not being treated as an equal. Now in their, go, ahead, go ahead, brother. In their twisted mind view, though, <laughs> it's the woman's choice. <laughs> you know, it's they, they, they've created this 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 cloud of selfishness that somehow a woman 16 30 50, they just they're just super wise and they know what's the right thing for the unborn child regardless of whether the right thing is to murder that child and like i said you guys gave great examples of, of how the idiocy of this it, it's 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 bias on the highest extreme and they're so confused but we're not right we're not confused you know, since Roe v. Wade, roughly 61 million babies have been butchered at the altar of convenience at the murder mills. 61 million. Think about that. That is just such an incredible uh, amount of life and flesh being ripped apart that should be protected. In New York City, I believe over 50% of children that are born are killed. I mean, just staggering, absolutely staggering. And as we think back to evolution, um, monkey to man, which is really faith described or actually not described, but disguised as science in the same way that Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. Um, it's not science at all, but Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, believed that black people were like human weeds to be exterminated. And now there's statues to her. Anybody ripping her statues down? No, I don't think so. 
No, in fact, she's praised. She has a street named after her, you know, and all of that in, in the city. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Now, 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 at the basis of this evolution, evolution, however you want to pronounce it, I think they're both right. Um, for people who are, like I said, now racism, racial things are the number one thing besides COVID. Um, the, is the number one thing people are focused on, right? The, the evolution said, because of the way my head is shaped and the, the, the skin color that I, that I was dumb, that I'm stupid. It's the same science or pseudoscience that they use to separate people and to say, this person's dumb, this one's alcoholic, this one's this, this. All these races are inferior is the same theory that they use. And the same people behind that are the ones who orchestrated this um, abortion thing for women's rights, um, you know, under under the, the the guise of women's rights. And so you you have to understand that it is from an evil place that this comes from. This is not science. This is not. I don't even want. Look, we can't even get into once we get past abortion. The the plan the plan B plan B, which means you have unprotected sex, you take that pill the next morning, we can't, it, it's more than 61 million babies. Let's be honest. The sci science, science betrays them now because even Roe v. Wade, the reason why they're trying to turn it over now is because, you know, science proves that, that, it's, that it's a life at the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. it, has, it has its own DNA, you know? So it, that's, that's one of the main reasons why they're trying to turn over Roe v. Wade. You know, an interesting statistic is that, you know, Margaret, Margaret Sanger um, was, was racist and she tried, she, she, didn't, she didn't like black people at all, right? And, and also an interesting statistic in New York is that more black babies are aborted in New York than they are born. So since Roe v. Wade, uh, um, abortionist, Margaret Sanger, they, they, they've, been, they've been effective in keeping the black population a minority with, so, with just with abortion so so one of so one of so one of the things and it, it's kind of silly to like it, it's it's funny but it's not so one of the arguments that I, that i hear when you read you know the new york times and different liberal liberal groups is why is it that the black population is not greater why are they only 17 percent of the population after being here for 200 plus years why are immigrant groups coming in more and more recently the last hundred years or less over them right the the other minority groups outnumber the black community and it's like this big mystery <laughs> when we see that they're being aborted at a greater rate because other groups I don't want to name groups on here because we're not that kind of a, a, a podcast where we, uh, we separate people. Other groups are coming here and they're having children. They're not having the same number of abortion and they are actually X amount percentage of the population and they're growing and they go and it's growing in Europe and other places as well. And we are supposed to be told that this is human rights and this is women's equality and this is something that's good for us when it seems to be disproportionately affecting a certain group um and like once again we're all children on the god but it's just kind of sad that they are say they're for a certain group when the the things that they do are actually destructive to that group absolutely if somebody were to say um was the life of george floyd valuable right if you were asked like a blm person they would say absolutely is valuable well was his life valuable before he was born 
Mm. 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 I don't think many people are answering that question. Do you think it would have been okay? So it's not okay to kneel on his neck and bring him to his death. Is it okay to squeeze his neck inside of Mrs. Floyd and, 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 and choke him to death at that point? Mm. Right. So, I mean, what's the difference inside or outside the womb? It's murder. It's murder. If we don't value people when they're young, why would we value them when they're older if all they did is change locations and all they did is change size? Right. I mean, just they, I mean, there's so much absurdity to it. So, of course, you know, the BLM movement, they, they, they don't value all people. They don't even value all black people, because like you said, Tons of black children are being killed at the altar of convenience every single day, so, every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had, you know, I, I have students that I teach. Um, thank God that, you know, their mothers didn't abort them, but I'm sure that with the population of students that I teach that, uh, that there are some parents that have done that um, just this week. I spoke to one of our uh, very strong soul fishing ministry supporters. And she told me when she was first pregnant that her uncle wrote her a letter giving her 25 reasons she should have an abortion. Hmm. But she didn't listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> For example, my, my mother was 16 when she had me. And, you know, by all the rules that they specified, she wasn't rich. She was poor. She's from a poor country. She hadn't when she was 16. I was, shouldn't be born according to their logic. It's, it's, it's irrational. I'm alive. I'm not a burden. I'm helping her now. <laughs> She's gotten older. So it's, the, it's like they're telling you, um, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but our former president, uh, Barack Obama, who I'm not a big fan of, even he quoted, he said, the best indicator of economic success, the, the, the one thing that's prevalent for everyone to move from poverty into middle class or from middle class to rich is to have two parents, uh, is, to, is to have two parents and to have a family, right? To be in a family actually is better for you financially lo long term as opposed to being single. Single people spend money. And and yeah. and when he said two parents, he actually specified fathers and mothers. Oh, that, 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 I'm sure he's taking that back now. <laughs> well, I'm sure he, I'm sure he is too. You know. Yeah, um, but but after but after, but after you ask your children, after you ask your own children, you know your stance, you know what your view of homosexuality should be, yeah. then you're worrying about who. Well, who's the adult in the room? But yeah. that that one for another day. Yeah, um, but having children helps you financially, but they tell you it doesn't. But anyway, let's go back to it. You know, so what isn't, is, that, isn't that Obama being all things to all people? Not to me. Yes. And, and Obama got lambasted by his own party when he talked about the importance of being a father and the importance of family and all the statistics he gave about lack of homework, school dropouts, uh, of being in prison. I mean, they they roasted him. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, that's probably that is probably the one time that I would agree with most of what he said and the worldview in which he said it, because 
that aspect of things was a biblical worldview. Not that I'm saying he was a Christian. I don't believe there was really anything Christian about him or his pastor that he came from. Um, but, you know, many people today, they believe that children are just a clump of cells. But newsflash, every person listening to this podcast and every person you know, guess what? You and I are all a clump of cells. But are we just a clump of cells? Glenn, what say you? I would say God gives us life, that God is the author of life, that he is able to breathe into the flesh. And the moment of conception, we we have a spirit within us. Like, um, I know that my son, about six to 12 weeks in, we went to the thing, we had the ultrasound. It was way too early to do any of that, but we, we did it. And to this day, I have a, um, a teddy bear on my thing that plays his heartbeat. Mm. And it, it's very loud. It's very real. And he was very much alive and he was very much breathing. I'm breathing through his mother, but he's very much had a heartbeat. And I just cannot imagine that you're going to tell me that uh, uh, the baby in the womb that has a heartbeat and is taking resources from the mother is not alive. It, it's nonsensical. Um, and also, I always, and we're going to talk about it, maybe talk about it later, but if, does anyone remember the story when um, John, John the Baptist in, his, in the womb met Jesus' mother and he leapt? So they're both in the womb. They're both babies and one leapt at the other. One was joyful to know that Jesus was in the womb. That wasn't a clump of cells bouncing off each other God. like, like uh, uh, what's that, pinball in, in the womb? That wasn't that. It was actually a baby. The Bible mm -hmm. described that as a baby leaping in the womb. And, and, and premature babies. We have someone in our, in our church right now that has a baby that was several months early. According to them, that they're a clump of cells. They're a part of the woman's body. So I'm, I'm completely against that theory. It's, it's, it's nonsensical. They, they, that is why they, they passed the, that's why they said you cannot uh, give the death penalty to a pregnant woman, period, end of story. Amen. Amen. And oh, oh sorry, just uh, I, I, I just made, you just made me think of a coworker that I have, <clears throat> and um, he has a he has an autistic son, mm. you know, and, and um, I remember when I first met him, he told me like he had three kids and everything like that. We had that we had that type of thing in common, <clears throat> and he told me you know about the autistic son, and he was telling me you know. He, his mother, the guy's mother couldn't take care of him, didn't take care of him properly. He took, he took the, his son, you know, and I remember him telling me, like, he said, Nick, I bought books like this thick, you know, just to learn how to take care of him, you know, just to learn how to take care of an autistic kid, you know, and he went above and beyond. And today this kid is, is productive in society, you know, and the thing is like, what if, you know, the doctor says, your kid's going to be autistic, you know, and, and they sit there and they automatically, what if they would have just decided, hey, let's just kill it, you know, yeah, let, let, let's, mm. let's try again, you know, mm. <laughs> it, it, you would have missed out on a life and, and, and the growth and the maturity that my coworker had to, you know, go through to be able to dedicate his, himself to, to be dedicated to his son. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, mm. it goes both ways, you know. I have an uncle who who cannot talk, cannot walk. His hands are gnarled. He's in his 
maybe late fifties at this point. He's he's been he's been alive. I mean, by all rights, we abortion. But he he's alive when he when I when my mother comes or I come, he's joyful. He starts, you know, he gives us signs that he's he know he recognizes us. He kind of nudges himself next to me, you know. And are you gonna tell me that his life is not valuable because? He doesn't have all the benefits that we have. No, he's been blessed by God. He is alive. And I think it's, it's, we, we have this sense that life is not valued because we think we're made from monkeys, right? And we're just like a monkey and a monkey. It, no, God has given us this life. It's his. And we, and woe to us when we take it without thinking about it, when we, um, Think we're flipping about this action when it's God's property. <laughs> you know, we are God's property. And if God made a baby that's autistic, that is God's will. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. All the talk about, you know, equality, equality, privilege. Um, I had somebody this week uh, tell me, oh, that's, that's your privilege talking. Just met me. Has no idea about anything, you know, about my ethnicity, anything I've been through, doesn't know who my grandmother is, my grandfather, nothing. But uh, what's interesting is um, if somebody has can see out of their eyeballs, they're privileged over someone that can't. Yeah, if someone can exactly. hear, they're privileged over someone that can't. We are all privileged in, in many of our faculties compared to your uncle. Hmm. And a mother with her faculties is more privileged in that moment than that baby because mom could make decisions and do things mm-hmm. and take the life of that child and the child can do nothing to protect him or herself. Mm-hmm. And so that mama is using her privilege. Where is all the talk about privilege at that point? And now we we're kind of going hard on the secular crowd, the liberals. I know we, we, we're hitting them hard, you know, and they deserve to be hit. And they, they are, they're, they're the prevalent cause of all of this, but I don't hear a lot of stuff coming from the pulpits about this. man. Uh, well, yeah, we need to go here. I'm glad you brought this up, Glenn. Um, it, it really seems there's a lot of silence from preachers and churches uh, concerning this issue. Uh, a pastor can get up and rail against racism and everybody's amen. Yep. Even the world will amen a pastor from doing that. I, I'm against racism. Of course we should be. Absolutely. I preached against it. Pastor Peter and others have preached against it. Absolutely. And the scriptures was against it before the world started to say, yes, this, we, you know, we agree that this is wrong, mm. but why are churches, why are pastors, why are preachers not calling the brutal, barbaric and beastly murder of unborn children uh, a sin? And why is that not, why is that not thundering from the pulpit? They don't want to offend people. They, God, we can offend God. He, he, He's a big God. He can handle it. He's a God of love, right? God was, is going to be okay. But we don't want to offend someone that walks into the church and they're going to be offended. They're going to walk out. And I'm sorry. That is not a good reason. It's not. We, we seem to limit our preaching against abortion to one sermon on Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, it's not infused into many of our expository sermons uh, as texts. Um, lend itself to speaking about sin, about murder, about worldviews, 
about how society rails against God um, and ungodliness, judgment, compromise, and a host of other themes fleshed out in scripture. In it's very easy to bring abortion up in our servants, and and we must do that. You know, it's funny because I heard Aussie Spro say something to the effect that, you know, um, if he was, I'm I'm going to paraphrase kind of what he said, but if he was going to like hit the streets per se, and, and he would start at the church. He said he would go to the actual churches where he knows that, you know, uh, um, where their stance is weak in abortion, and and he would start there. He would call them out. And I found that very interesting. At first, I was like, whoa. And then I thought about it some, and I said, you know, he, he's right. He's right. Some of these churches, many of these churches should be called out on their stance um, for a variety of reasons, whether, you know, they don't feel they should, uh, um, whether they don't feel like they should, you know, be out there or they don't feel like they feel like it should be, you know, relationship one-on-one type of thing, whatever it is, whatever their stance, or, or even just that they're playing that middle ground where they're, they're pro-life, but, you know, they're, they're into that incrementalism rather than, hey, let's just, you know, let's fight for it to be shut down completely, you know, <clears throat> and, and, you know, it, it's just like the church needs to wake up. We need to pray for the church you know, and cry out to God that, that the Lord would, you know, raise up the faithful, you know, and, and we don't look united in this. The church doesn't look united in this. So why would the world respect us? You know what I'm saying? And now at the same time, I, I don't want to say, you know, turn away people who've had an abortion, um, you know, shame people who've had an abortion, you know, we, 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 we always preach forgiveness. We always preach, you know, God, look, we've done so many things God has forgiven us. It's not the unpardonable sin, but I think I agree with you, Nick and Phil, is it, it has to be something where we have a unified stance. It's, you cannot do it and be a member of our church. You cannot be supportive of this. And we're going to discuss with you why, because it's not like having a disagreement about a, a, a Bible version or, you know, a, a, you know, a disagreement about Sabbath or when we should baptize. You're literally condoning murder. And I don't care if you believe in Old Testament law, New Testament, like murder is murder. Um, but at the same time, I, I think they're confusing um, maybe lack of forgiveness, confusing um, 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 making feeling people uncomfortable, people who had a boy. No, that's, those are two different things. We welcome everybody. But the position of this church, the position of the church of God is that abortion is murder. End of story. Now, I don't, I don't want to get y'all flagged or anything, right? But you think about like so many people who claim Christ and at the same time, they vote Democrat, you know, and there's just no way I could see somebody who has a biblical worldview, you know, look at what the Democrats believe and stand for and then vote that way. You know, and I'm not and I'm not advocating for 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 Republicans either, you know, what I mean, because because they're basically the incrementalists. But, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that's 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 a mixed up unbiblical worldview. 
You know, why is it that you're voting against your biblical values? It's because when you go into the booth, you leave your Bible outside. You know what I'm saying? You're not carrying Christ and a biblical worldview wherever you go. You, you, you hang Christ up on the, on, on the hook when you go to work and you hang Christ up on the hook when you go to the park and to the disco and then you hang Christ up when you go into the voters booth, you know, and, and that's, that's totally unbiblical. Oh, well, Phil and us, did, Phil, we did um, a podcast on the voting and I think it was one issue voting and we're against one issue voting, but if it was one issue that you should make the primary reason why you vote for someone, I would, it would be abortion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, what Nick shared is, is very important. Um, we have to always use our biblical glasses when we go into the voting booth, when we go to work, uh, when we go to our schools, uh, wh- wherever we go, uh, we never take our, off our biblical glasses. Um, the world doesn't take off their worldly glasses, but they're expecting us to take off our biblical glasses or leave them at home or leave them in, you know, in, in the sanctuary and you can wear them when you're in the sanctuary, but when you come to work and when you go vote, it's a different story. And I think that too many pastors, they shy away from this issue because they think it's a political issue. Well, it does delve into politics, but it is a biblical issue. I would say this is a gospel issue because it points concerning the gospel. And so the gospel is Thou shalt not murder. And because we've murdered, God sent his son, who also was murdered, who gave his life as a ransom for many, that all that believe in him will not perish but come to everlasting life. And so this is a biblical issue, uh, not simply a political issue. And you could be as pro-life as you want and still end up in hell. We want people to come to Christ. Yes, and we want you to be pro-life. You should be pro-life. But the reason that you want to be pro-life is because of the gospel of Christ. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think that's probably the difference with a podcast like this is that we are not um, we, we are not saying, hey, abortion, 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 evil, bad, 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 bad. Um, this is the, the one encompassing issue. Nothing else matters. We're saying, Hey, this is something that is 61 million babies. <laughs> and it is not antithetical to the Bible. It's not an ancillary. It's, 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 it's what you said. It's the gospel made flesh that we, we have, ch- our entire life has been changed on the premise that Jesus was a baby. He was born that way, that he grew up as a man and that he died for the sins of many. And we cannot let a sin like this continue and not be hurt by this is, is, is kind of the, the idea. But to get it back on, on track, it, but it, it only matters in light of the gospel. It only matters that we make this argument with the gospel in mind. So if there's someone who doesn't know God, who's committed abortion, we need them to understand what this, what their relationship with God is and how God is angered by it. And if it's a believer, supposedly a so-called believer who's ambivalent about this, uh, like Nick said, we need to get them, get them set straight because obviously the relationship with, that they have with God is completely screwed. Yeah. So, I mean, the pulpit cannot be weak. 
um, on this issue, but many pulpits are weak and not just weak, but rebellious. If you think about it on this issue, let me just draw a couple of verses out to you. Psalm 139, 13 through 15, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you from fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful. All your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The very one who stretches out the heavens is the same one who formed life in the womb. In Isaiah 44, 24, it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretch out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. And so we are all image bearers of God. Um, Nick, you have that verse about crying out for the dumb. Hey, uh, I'm right here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's Proverbs 31.8, where it says, open your mouth for the mute. For mm. the rights of all the unfortunate, mm. and and how does that apply to, uh, to speaking out for the unborn? Well, the unborn can't speak for themselves. You know, they're the innocent among us. I mean, when you think about innocence and you want to apply it to somebody, you think of a baby, right? I mean, and 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 the baby can't speak for itself. The mother's not imagining that the baby is saying, "Please let me live," you know. But we know with a biblical worldview that this is that this is a murder, this is a high violation in the eyes of God. And how could we expect to kill 61 million babies and not expect for God to come with a day of reckoning? How do we expect for God not to come and ask us and have us answer for this? And 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 even then, you know, that should not just alarm the un, the unsaved and the, un, the unbelievers. That should alarm the church because who has he placed on this earth, you know, to cry out for the mute? Mm. Everybody's crying about rights and, 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 and for the, you know, and, and, and it says here in this verse, you know, for the rights of all the unfortunate, but the most unfortunate among us is the one who's being murdered before he even gets to see the light of day. Mm. Well said, well said. I couldn't agree more. Amen and amen. Well, mm. I just want to close um, uh, with this last segment here uh, concerning doing a pro-life evangelism ministry, mm. um, which we're a part of here in Soul Fishing Ministries uh, in concert with Grace Baptist Church. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, are you practicing what you're preaching here, brother? Well, we're trying. We're trying, you know. God is merciful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he, he even uses us once in a while. And mm-hmm. so uh, we formed a ministry called Major Ministry, and which exists to equip the local church to proactively and practically carry out a biblical approach towards protecting life in the womb at every stage of pregnancy and mm-hmm. in every case that led to a mother's pregnancy. And so basically we have... Uh, three things that we focus on um, before going to the murder mill, going to the murder mill, and then after the murder murder mill. And so before we went to the murder mill, um, 
we prayed and we trained people in pro-life apologetics. And we do have that online. And if you're interested in watching that video and seeing the training, please email us um, at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. But before going, much prayer, much wisdom, uh, gathering of gospel tracks and resources, um, picking out where you're going to go and planning out what you're going to do when you get there, um, who's going to do what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, there's much planning and much wisdom that needs to go on um, when you're going into uh, Satan's territory. Um, we have to be wise, wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And so mm. we did these types, types of things. Uh, Nick and I ran the pro-life apologetics training to train people that would go out. And then on that glorious January day at 745 in the morning, 14 degree weather, we had a, a good number of people come out with us with frozen toes and warm hearts. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about what happened on that cold winter morning. Well, cold wasn't the word. I mean, I had double everything on that day. <laughs> so, and then for some reason, Phil had the, the hand warmers and he comes out and he says, I also got foot warmers. And I said, uh, well, why aren't they in your feet? <laughs> it was too late for the foot warmers. I don't know, but it was a blessing. You know, um, obviously, at least for me, you know, the nerves, the nerves were kicking in. You know, but but you know, just just praying and trusting in the Lord, and really kind of just like ignoring it, um, because this is a good work. So it was good to see a whole bunch of the a whole bunch of men that came out, and and also women. Well, one woman in particular, she came out and she showed up by surprise, at least to me, and she showed up with her baby. You know, and, and uh, we thought that that was the most beautiful thing because those girls who were on the line can see, you know, what, you know, what beauty would be brought into the world if they would just um, stay. So we had some signs out there. Um, mostly me and Phil basically did the preaching and, and uh, some of the men were, were walking up and down trying to speak to, to um, some of the escorts as well. And, and um, I, I actually, uh, we was trying to talk to, to a couple that was walking there. And uh, when we started, he he was like, you know, listen, I'm not here for, for, for an abortion. We're not here, she's not getting an abortion. We just hear she, she's pregnant and she's gonna get, you know, treated or whatever. And we're like, yo, but you don't know what's going on in there? And he's like, well, what's going on? So we started telling him about, you know, babies are being murdered in there, so on and so forth. And, and they walked in, but then they walked right back out, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> He was a, he was upset with his girlfriend, but um, the job was done. He 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 left, so it was a blessing. Um, and and um, hey Nick, I, I don't want to take away too far far from that. Um, but that that's that just brought me back memories. I know when my when my son was being born, we weren't wealthy, didn't have enough money, and we said, hey, go we go to Planned Parenthood. I knew. And I and I and I told my 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 son's mother at the time. I said, um, she's like, oh no, we're gonna go to Planned Parenthood. Gonna... And I'm like, and I said the same thing. And she just did not. She she had no idea. She still went. She 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 wanted to go. And I said, look, I'll pay. We'll go somewhere. I'll 
find the money. We're going to go somewhere else and get this done. But she thought you go there, you get women's services, you get certain things done. And they have no clue. I just thought I would mention that. I remember that being a, a, a surprise to me that they had no idea. So don't assume everyone knows. Don't assume everyone is on is aware of all of these intricacies. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. No, so, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even know certain um, abortion clinics actually are abortion clinics. Um, one lady kept coming along. She was walking along and she had no idea that the place we were preaching in front of actually was an abortion clinic. And yeah. she was very angry about it. Yeah. Um, she was like on our side. Uh, she had some choice words to say, if you know. <laughs> but um, I mean, she was definitely on our side, you know, as far as pro-life is concerned. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick and I went and, and uh, scoped out the land prior to that. And there was a lady there who had had seven kids and she was about to murder number eight. Um, And but a lot of women said, you know, don't judge me. My God doesn't judge. And I simply said, I agree with you. Your God doesn't judge uh, because your God doesn't exist. He's a figment of your imagination. But the God of Scripture makes judgments and he Mm -hmm. and he judges this to be sin Mm -hmm. and he judges you. Uh, as a sinner about to murder your child and he calls you to repentance and we told them that we love them we didn't hate them in any way but they needed to come to christ they needed a heart change and once Mm -hmm. their heart would change then immediately when god changes your heart you immediately become pro-life automatically by default why because (laughs) you know that 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 life is in the womb and that god made life your worldview changes because God changes the heart and the heart controls the, th- the thinking. It controls the worldview. And so while we're at the murder mill, we're preaching the gospel, we're handing out checks, we're praying and we're pleading with the escorts. We're pleading with the ladies. We're pleading with the security officers. We're pleading with everyone not to murder. We're pleading with everyone to come to Christ so that we're not just about being pro-life, but about being pro-gospel. Nick. Well, I don't have much to say after that. (laughs) um, I would say for those who uh, are considering going out to the murder mills, um, feel like the Lord is calling you to do so, you know, um, I would say just go. I mean, um, this has really been sitting in my heart for a number of years, and I'm just grateful to God that I was able to come across um, Pastor Phil and Grace Baptist Church, and 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 they were, they're actually, you know, they're bringing me up in this. They're teaching me. They're guiding me. They're they're showing me. So like, you know, and even that very first day when we came, to, when we went to scope out the land, if you will, you know, um, I I didn't even preach. I sat there and I and and I, you know, I, I prayed in my heart and I listened to Pastor Phil, basically go off. <laughs> It was just like really a blessing for me to hear the boldness with a, with a perfect mixture of love, you know, and concern for not just the baby in the womb, but for, for, for the women that are being um, preached to, you know. And it was very humbling because, you know, Pastor Phil was, was um, he was getting barked on. He was getting barked on by a variety of people. The guard, the people on the line, some of the escorts, I, I think. And um, so I was I was humbled, but I was also in my heart 
a flame and my heart was inflamed. And I was like, this is where I belong. This is what we need to continue doing. So if you're out there and you're kind of like, oh, should I do this? This is intimidating, blah, blah, blah. Trust in the Lord and go do it. You ain't got to be fancy with the words or anything like that. Know your Bible, preach from the heart. And, and honestly, you'll be fine. <laughs> from the perspective of someone who doesn't go, I think the, the impression is that it's going to be this battle, you know, not necessarily. And, and that they have to kind of get into people's faces. But would you say, would you, you know, something that you're doing, this ministry you're doing, that it's mostly the same thing we're saying here today is you appealing to people to say, hey, this is murder. Like, I want you to understand what human life means. I want you to understand that there's a God up there who loves you because not everyone who goes to do an abortion is uh, is only financial. There's some people who say, look, my life is going to be ruined. I'm, I'm, I'm 16, I'm 15, I'm too young. I, I don't have any resources. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we are there to say, hey, no, there's another option and yeah. you can choose life because not every single person who does it is choosing death. They just think they have no other option, that it's a death of both of them. You know? Yeah. And so some people, they don't they don't really understand what's happening. Um, I mean, again, they're worshiping the God of convenience. And when Nick meant, you know, that when Nick said, you know, that I was getting barked at, um, it made me think of that song, you know, who let the dogs out? And in this case, it would be Satan. Uh, you know, he's he's having the dogs bark. And why? To silence the gospel. And so going back to the worldview, uh, these people have been lied to. They're, they've they've believed lies. They've swallowed a lie. They're swimming in the lie. They're regurgitating the lie. And we're bringing the truth to bear um, against the lies that they have been told and believed time and time again. They're online because of the lie. And so while they're online, we're trying to redirect traffic away from hell toward the kingdom of God and say, no, there, you need to go the narrow way. And, and of course, we preach the gospel um, and only the gospel is our message. We also, in light of the gospel, we show them that there is a loving God and, and there is another way of doing things. And so we've. Uh, been able to connect with a pro-life group called New Beginnings in Queens. Uh, we can bring ladies right to the the doorstep three miles away uh, that offers free ultrasound. Um, they have OBGYN medical professionals, a 24-hour hotline, counseling through virtual appointments for men, women, parents, marriage, family, domestic violence, and they'll even help you if you want to give your baby up for adoption, which is, which is fine. I mean, um, obviously we were adopted in Christ. Uh, adoption is an option. And so uh, they help with medical insurance and they're affiliated with pro-life doctors. And so uh, that was really like a godsend um, that we have this, you know, this alternative means to point ladies to, to bring them to. Um, and there's even a, um, a, a pill reversal for the uh, RU486, which I, I think it's like it, it burns the baby inside or something like that. Uh, there's something if a woman took it, they could take something that reverses it uh, for free, uh, the reversal pill. And so we're kind of learning about all these other resources um, at just the right time. But isn't that just like our Jesus? He comes and gives us what we need at just the right time for such a time as this. Well, before I close, brothers, any closing thoughts? 
abortion is murder. It is, um, as my as my friend Nick said, it, it's just it's disgusting. Um, I I would just appeal to anyone listening. I know we came off very combative. I know we were very decisive in our thoughts on it. Um, not nuanced with all the different um, arguments. We're going to have another podcast that's going to deal with that. But I just want to let you understand that that you have options. There are other choices. I would always err, err on the side of life. Um, we didn't give it the examples, but there are many famous influential people in history that had all the same reasons you would give to not have your child, the same circumstances that you had and the baby was born. And that baby is someone who you look up to now. Um, and I think we have to start trusting in our God that whatever befalls us, he will keep us. Um, and I just want to offer hope to those who think that abortion is an option. It really is not. It's, it is, the baby is a part of you and you're killing a part of yourself. Well, in closing, we cannot, we must not, we will not stay silent as millions of children are being butchered at the murder meals, at the murder meals, at the altar of convenience. Um, if you stood during those days as a preacher of the gospel and you watch what was happening in the arms of Molech as the Canaanites sacrificed those children and played music to drown out the screams from the children, could you just sit idly by? I think not. That is called depraved indifference. In other words, if you saw a child fall into a pool and, and the child was drowning, you could be brought up on charges for depraved indifference. It is your job to go to dive in and save that life. And so we're diving into this issue head on, no holds bar. We're diving into this issue. We're going right to the front doorstep, if you will, of the murder mill to bring the gospel and redirect traffic away from murder toward life, away from lies, away from Satan and toward Christ, toward the cross, which has the power to save. Let's be a voice to the voiceless or for the voiceless, I should say. Well, let me just mention as well, um, as a ministry that goes out to the lost uh, on a regular basis and that trains others to do the same. Um, if you would consider supporting us, uh, we would definitely welcome and cover your prayers and cover your financial support. Uh, we have a store online at soulfishingministries.org uh, where we have uh, some different merchandise, which much of which is designed uh, to spark up, to spark up um, conversations about the things of God, wear them to work, work, wear them to school, wear them to parties, wear them to family reunions and start up some uh, controversy about the gospel. Uh, so we have a new one that says not woke, but alive in Christ from the book of Ephesians. So uh, check it out. Uh, please support us. Um, these t-shirts and sweatshirts and hats that we have, we're not just trying to make you look pretty and, and dress up nice. Uh, they really are for the purposes of springboarding to share the gospel. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. 
If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.